0: I still had my moments. I was still angry at this motherfucker, but I didn't have my anxiety attacks. I slept well. I felt safe and secure in my home again. Those intense responses from the trauma were now gone. It was such a completely polar opposite physical reaction after that one session. Welcome back to another episode of The Breakthrough Room. I'm your host, Christine, and today we are going to be talking about art therapy. Not art as in painting, art is an acronym for Accelerated Resolution Therapy. I'm going to be explaining what art therapy is to the best of my ability. I am not an art therapist, but I'm also going to be sharing the story that motivated me to go see an art therapist and then the actual benefits I received from it because honestly, I just have never had any form of treatment that worked as quickly as this did. So art therapy is a form of treatment that can help PTSD, um, depression, anxiety, phobias, addiction, grief. So it can really help with a lot of those issues. It's very similar. In fact, it's inspired by EMDR. I'm sure some of you people have heard of that. It's pretty popular. I actually have heard of EMDR before I've heard of art. EMDR is another form of treatment that helps processing trauma and the similarities between the two have to do with eye movement. So I I can't quite speak for EMDR uh, sessions because I've never done one of those but I understand that they're very similar in that like you'll go through the traumatic event like you'll walk through almost like a hypnosis from your therapist but all the while you're moving your eyes in a certain way. Now I can't explain it in the way, in the in the scientific way that it should be explained, um, that's not my realm of experience. I'm specifically talking about my personal experience. But the way it was um, simplified for me is that it takes the trauma out of your body. So it does something with your brain that the way you think of the traumatic event, it doesn't affect you in the emotional response that happens, such as anxiety or the PTSD symptoms some people may have due to their trauma. When I was trying to do some research, one of the things that stood out to me about art therapy is it flat out says that after one to five sessions, clients will no longer feel the intense distress when they recall those memories. And reading that sounds like a joke, but I've literally experienced that and I don't know if I fully would have grasped the impact art therapy can have had I not had the trauma that I experienced but then also done a session right afterwards. I'm sharing this because as you guys know if you've been listening I am a complete um, advocate for therapy and honestly my goal is to not just reduce the stigma around mental health and seeking help but also making sure people understand that they're not alone and there are many options and I'm going to share my experience and everything I know from personal experience and education. And so I want to share this with you. So I'm going to give you a little story of what happened to me that took me to art. So this happened in 2019, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I believe it was 2019. It's, yeah, about three three years now. I don't know, math. I don't do well with math. Um, and I met a guy at work. That I would have considered a strictly platonic friend. Never in my life, never in that life with that relationship had that ever switched to romantic. I never felt it was romantic. I never gave off romantic vibes. I never felt romantic vibes from him. Strictly platonic. We I definitely would have called him a friend. We never hung out. We didn't call each other. It wasn't that type of friendship But we developed a friendship at work because during our shifts We were the only one the only ones there at the time that we started And it was really slow and that would be the time that we really got to know each other from life stories family Relationships. He was married at the time uh, My bullshit relationships my bodybuilding. He was very much into bodybuilding even though he didn't compete and we really talked a lot And this man was very popular at work. He was most loved. If there was, I forgot what it's called in high school where you have like the most popular or the most likely to succeed, superlatives. If there were superlatives at work, this man would have been the most popular. He was the most popular because... He was very handsome. He had a great body. He was very, very humble. And he was very kind, had manners, was a Christian man. Yes, ma'am. No, sir. Please and thank yous. Everyone loved this person. Loved him. Okay. He was a big teddy bear, like harmless. Honestly, I think people would describe this person as super chill and harmless So that is also why I never thought anything other than a friendship. And I have had, I have at least three close male friends in my life that are truly friends. I consider them family. So I know what a platonic relationship feels like. And this was never anything but that. I'm emphasizing that because my dumb ass did not see what was going to come next. And I guess I can't blame myself, but whatever. I would like to add because this is my podcast and this is my opportunity to say how I feel, that while he may have been popular and well-liked because of his personality. By the way, if you can hear my cat in the background, she is dying for attention. And of course, she wants to meow when I'm trying to record. trying really hard to like edit that out, but it's probably not going to happen. So anyway, she says, what's up? Back to this dipshit. So while he may have been, you know, the most charming and polite man and blah, 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 he was... Mm, not the not the brightest crayon in the box like he was definitely a few fries short of a happy meal he was a dumb fuck I mean that that really I was actually his lead at one point and I was begging my manager to fire him but the only reason why he kept his job is because how fucking like harmless this being was He, he just had a way with getting everyone's soft spot Y'all, if you could see me right now, I have my cat on my lap because she needs my attention. It's time for bed and she wants to cuddle. So this is just pathetic. Okay. Anyway, back to my story. Enough about describing him. We'll get to the event. So at some point, we had, I had known this person for four years So I known him for a decent amount of time. He never really spoke much about his marriage, which was totally fine. I mean, he talked about his wife. It was never a secret, but he never talked about the the ins and outs of their relationship, as he shouldn't have. Um, But towards the end, he finally one day opened up to me. He was getting a divorce. He was really upset. It was just a very standard conversation you have with a friend. Your friend's confiding in you. You're like, man, like, you know, what can I help? What can I do to help you? Like, I'm sorry. It was nothing, anything other than that. But in that conversation... Because this is the person I am. And I'm going to say it right now. I would do this all over again. Maybe not with him, but I would do this all over again for anyone else because this is how I am. I had three bedrooms in my house. Two of them were not being used. So... I offered to him if you happen to need a place to stay while you kind of transition your life like you're, you're welcome to stay in one of my rooms He didn't ask for help. He didn't even imply that he may need help I just was proactively giving him an option because I don't know i'm thinking I can't imagine what it would be like to get a divorce Like there's so much financial stuff in it. Like you have to just pick up and leave like when do you do that? I literally was just giving him a possible solution if he runs into that problem I wasn't even asking for money because in my head, this wasn't a long-term roommate. This wasn't even a roommate. This was just a friend crashing at my place until he figured out what he was going to do next. And I didn't even have a time limit. I just kind of figured he'd use his appropriate time and get out my house. So he did that for about uh, maybe a week, maybe two weeks. Can't quite remember. And then he went back to his wife. They were going to work things out. No big deal. About a month later, he comes back to me and says, We're definitely getting a divorce. Like, do you mind if I come back? I'm like, Yeah, sure. No big deal. Whatever. Do what you need to do. In that first weekend that he was over, he was out running errands. And I can't quite remember all the text messages that I was getting, but I was getting the sense of he was texting me like he would be texting his wife. He was checking in, asking if I needed anything, things like that. It wasn't just a normal friend text. I just picked up on, like, okay, he's trying to almost replace me for what he's used to with his wife. And I immediately said to myself, I'm going to need to have a conversation with him because I am not trying to be a replacement. Like, this is just a place to stay. If he one day wants to have a conversation of like, hey, this is what I'm going through, like, I'd be there. I'm, I'm a friend. I'm there for you. But I'm not there to kind of fill the gap of that hole in your life. But when he got home that day, he actually approached me and addressed that immediately. So he obviously picked up that he was doing that. So I was like, cool. He's aware. Great. I love aware people. I love self-aware people. Give me more of them except this motherfucker. So I don't exactly know how much longer it started to get kind of weird, um, but he was with me for about a month and I. I would say about a week prior to when this event happened, I did receive another text message one day where he was sending me like a message kind of saying how he misses, like he loves to to give act of service. Like that's how he, that's how, he, that's his love language. And this wasn't, this wasn't a message of like, hey, like I appreciate you letting me stay with you. Like, is there anything I can do? Like, to try to repay me. It was kind of weird. And again, he's not very smart. So getting these dumb messages wasn't that new. Um, But what was strange is that in his expression of saying like, hey, if there's anything I could do for you, like I I miss being able to serve. um, Literally, he said something like that. He mentioned the offer of like giving me a massage, like on my traps, like he made a joke of it. I have an obsession with traps. So he made a joke of it. Now, I'm cringing when I tell that part because clearly a blind person would have recognized that was a flag. But my gotta help the needy personality disregarded that, was like, well, that was fucking strange. But he was also not smart. So that comment wasn't that weird. In fact, I told friends that know him and they were all like, oh my God. Like, It was not that weird to get that dumb text. But in that moment, aside from disregarding that, I also, again, was like, all right, this man is going through it. And my job as a friend is to give you the pep talk. And that's what I did. I was like, hey. You know, you need to learn how to be single. You don't need to define yourself by acts of service. You really need to embrace the singleness and transition and learn how to do things on your own. Like that was the conversation that I would have had with anyone. And again, I'm thinking this man just needs that pep talk. Bless my little heart. Now, again, I still recognized he might be going through it, but it felt a little different. It didn't feel like a friend just confiding because they're really emotional. It felt like a friend that was, or, or not even a friend, a man that was trying to create a rebounding situation. And I don't even necessarily mean physical rebound, at least at the time I didn't think that. I was thinking in the most innocent way, he's just literally taking me and trying to replace me with his ex because he's uncomfortable being single. I wasn't even thinking he was actually trying something with me. Again, I understand red flag, but at that moment, when you put—if you knew this person—these messages wouldn't be that weird. I, I wish I could like. I, I wish I could literally introduce you a four years of my life so you could understand. But whatever, whatever. Past that, I've forgiven myself for that mistake. Moving on the night of the event. So I'm sitting on my chair in my living room and I'm on my laptop, like intensely editing a YouTube documentary that I created that I have never done anything like this in my life. I literally woke up one day and I was like, I have this idea and I'm going to ask this complete stranger if they would be willing to let me film them. And I'm going to create this documentary and I have no idea what I'm doing, but I did it. And I was so excited. I was so into it. Like I had no idea how I was going to create this 30 minute video, which by the way, it is up on my YouTube. I'll put all of this stuff in the description of the podcast. Um, And I was so just like, proud and excited and just completely high off of this thing I just created. I didn't even know how I was going to create it. And so I'm sitting on my chair just like I literally was on that chair all day from morning to night and I was going to load it. I was in the middle of finalizing it and exporting it from my computer so that I can load it onto YouTube and I decide, he walks in, I decide I'm going to take a shower now because um, I'd been in that chair in my crusty ass sweats. Okay, let's talk about that. I was in my crusty ass sweats. I don't really know what crusty means. I'm just trying to paint a picture with a t-shirt. I had a bra on. Just, just, I'm just trying to make it clear there was nothing sexual about my outfit. I had my hair in a messy bun and my version of a messy bun looks like a poodle that has been on the streets for seven months. Okay. Like my messy bun is not that cute. No makeup on. I probably even had my glasses on. Maybe I didn't. My point is I was in my house clothes. Like I don't even want the Amazon man seeing me. But like I didn't give a shit because this is my friend. I'm not trying. There's nothing here. Nothing to hide. Nothing to hide. So put my laptop down and I go upstairs and I shower. Now the bedrooms are upstairs and there's a very small landing for the three bedrooms and the main bathroom. There's two bedrooms on one side and then there's my bedroom with the main bathroom. And my bathroom has a doorway to my bedroom and a doorway to the landing. So I close the bedroom and the bathroom door that's attached to the landing and I keep the door that's open that's connected to my bedroom. So now I'm getting my shower ready. I'm unchanging in my bedroom. I'm walking back and forth. I do my shower thing. I get out again, changing back and walking back and forth, put my sweats back on. They're now not crusty. They're fresh sweats. And I open the door and I see him on his belly like a child in front of the door like, like, Forehead to the door with his phone out. I honestly thought nothing of it. I thought, what is this motherfucker doing? Like, he's a practical jokester. Like, what is he trying to scare me? Was he playing with the cats? Like, I I literally thought nothing other than like, what is this dimwit doing? So I'm like, I literally ask, what are you doing? And he's like, he stares at me and he's like, I'm sorry. I was trying to look. I still did not understand what he was saying to me. And I was like, I'm sorry, what do you what do you mean? What are you doing? He and he's now stands up and he starts groveling like I'm sorry, I was trying to look and he just he just kept saying stuff that honestly I don't even remember because when I realized what he was saying, because he had, mind you, he had his phone out. The way it was positioned was that he was clearly using his phone to get a picture or a video or something. And when I realized what happened, it was just tunnel vision. I saw nothing. I have never experienced this in my life. I absolutely saw nothing but was right in front of me and he was to the right of me. And at some point, I just told him to stop talking because I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to say. I just needed to get out of there. I needed to get out of his presence. And I start walking and he keeps going and, he st- and I hear him say, I've been deprived, like you have to understand. And I was like, stop talking. I go downstairs. And at this point, I'm now hearing him at a distance pacing back and forth, talking about like, oh, my God, I fucked up, like mumbling under his breath like a stupid fucking child. In what right mind did you ever think that would not be a fuck up? And the fact that you told me the truth. okay, cool. But like you only told me the truth because you were caught. How many other times have you done that? Anyway, we're not going to keep going there. So I go downstairs. I sit in my chair. I now pick up the phone and I start texting everyone. And I realized after the fact that when we are faced in a a situation that's like life and death, that's like threatening, threatening, that's a better way of saying it. When we're faced in a threatening situation, we have three different responses, fight, flight, or freeze. I always thought it was fight or flight. I freeze. I freeze and when i think over some other events that have happened in my life i can now see that that is what i do i freeze and i understand that now i used to actually be very upset with myself after the fact because i you know i would think like after everything has calmed down i realize what happened? And I'm like, why didn't I say this? Why didn't I do this? Why? And I beat myself up. But the fact of the matter is, that's my response. I completely just freeze. So I sat in my chair and I was texting my friends. At some point, he was like, I can leave. I tell him to leave. I had to tell him like three more times to leave. And he finally left. And that night, I went to my sister's house, hysterical, because after he finally left, that's when I broke down. I I was trying not to cry in front of him. I honestly can't explain my reaction at the moment because it doesn't make sense to me still, but that was what happened. I was hysterical. I couldn't sleep and this motherfucker ruined that night that I was so excited to to premiere or to post this like project that I had worked so hard on J- like he fucking ruined that for me. I, I still posted it and I tried my best, you know, to be happy about it, but I couldn't be happy about it because he, he stole the fucking show. That's what he did. So mind you, I still work with this motherfucker. Now, not anymore, but at that time, I still worked with him. So not only did I invite this person that I trusted into my home that where I'm supposed to feel safe, I also now have to face him at work. Talk about the mind fuck. And I have to face him at work when everyone loves him. Luckily and thankfully, I did tell some people at work. And for the most part, the people that I've told completely believed me, supported me, and I'm very grateful for that. Especially as a woman, when we're talking about sexual assault, we're often afraid to come forward because people don't believe you. And then when you have someone who has such a well-loved and well-received reputation and you tell them that they did this violating, creepy fucking thing, it's like, who's going to believe that? But everyone that I did confide in, Completely supported me, and I'm so grateful for that. I, I even when I went, I did go to the police station. I filed a report. I pressed charges. I did all the things. Got a restraining order. I felt very comfortable in coming forward and speaking to authorities, and everyone treated me with respect. So I'm very grateful for that experience, but it didn't change the reaction that I was having after the fact. This happened probably on a Friday, I want to say, because I remember either we had a three-day weekend or it was on a Friday because I remember having a few days off. It was in December or no, it was November. It was right after Thanksgiving. Oh my God, it was Thanksgiving weekend. That's what it was. It was something around that time. Sorry, I'm like literally, as you can tell, I'm talking out loud, recalling everything. Um, It was in November. And I was on my way to work. I thought I was good and I am having a panic attack, just hysterically crying. I had to leave. I couldn't stay. I had to tell my boss. That's when I went to the police station. I couldn't handle it. The worst part about it was that I didn't even feel safe in my home. And so I'm uncomfortable being in the living room because I, I felt like I wanted to be in like the smallest room possible where I could see all the doors and all the windows because this was my home. You're supposed to feel safe in your home. And I let this stranger in who completely took that safety away from me. You know, I'm in the bathroom doing my most, one of my most intimate things. And I find out that I'm being violated. And who knows how many times? I really don't know to this day. And I never really experienced panic attacks to the level that I did in this situation. I tried showering. And when I tried showering, I was... I was freaking the fuck out. I was I closed and locked both of the doors, the bathroom and my bedroom. No one's in my house. It's daytime. I turned off the lights. I put towels under the little uh, crack of the door so no one could see even though no one's living there, no one's there, it's just me. And I am having a panic attack. I am trying to power through this panic attack as I am showering, because I logically understand I'm alone, but emotionally, I could not handle it. I did not sleep for a week. I could not shower without freaking out. I was a fucking train wreck. My sister told me about art therapy and she kind of explained it to me. And I was like, at this point, I'm desperate. I'll do whatever. Like, I'll try it. So I met with an art therapist and again, she explained to me, you know, this will just take the trauma out of your body. Um, You'll still have the memories. You'll still be able to talk about it. Like those don't go away, but like the physical response that you're experiencing won't be there. And I was like, cool, like whatever, like whatever. I'll, I'll do whatever you want. She had me follow her finger with my eyes as we as she directed me on what to visualize, which was the event. She had me visualize the event in different ways. Um, and that was it. And I was like, okay, whatever. And that night, I slept like a baby. I was in my home again. And I showered with no problem. And every time I walked in my house, I walked into my house and I felt safe. It was such a a completely polar opposite physical reaction after that one session. Now, I was still upset. I, um, especially when I went through the legal process and then knowing I had to deal with some stuff at work, I still had my moments. I was still angry at this motherfucker. But I didn't have my anxiety attacks. I slept well. I felt safe and secure in my home again. Those intense responses from the trauma were now gone. And now what I was dealing with is just the emotions of being violated and, you know, having to do the legal process and and accept that this happened. So, yeah, I... I really want to encourage people that if, first of all, I always think talk therapy again is a good good route, but there are so many things that can help you. And if you are experiencing PTSD, anxiety, depression, um, panic attacks, phobias, things like that, you should really look into art therapy. I would even suggest even looking into EMDR. It's supposed to have a similar outcome. Now always talk to an actual professional About this, but from what I read, art therapy can have quicker results than EMDR. I don't know if that's factual, but consult with your medical professional. And if one thing doesn't work, then try another. But it's really amazing when you can experience the separation of your memories and having emotions to your memories. And you can actually get rid of that physical response the the anxiety the sleep depri- deprivation i never really understood until that moment that trauma lived in your body and that was that was literally the example of it that trauma lived in my body and created these symptoms these reactions that i couldn't seem to control but now i did a treatment That helped me erase that. I still have the memories at the time, I still had the emotions, and it helps with the healing and the grieving process. So, I really encourage you to look into that. I will make sure to have everything that I talked about in the description of the podcast notes so that if you are interested, you know exactly what you're looking for. And I hope this helped someone. Feel free to reach out to me. Again, you can check out my website, findyourpeacewithin.com, or you can find me on my Instagram at hey, it's christine underscore. Christine is spelled with a K, K-R-I-S-T-I-N-E. And thank you again, everyone, for listening. And I will talk to you next week.